Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Crushing in Real Estate. Today I get to interview one of my close friends. His name is James Tran. You know, he's been investing inside real estate for the past six years. He's, he's also been working as a real estate commercial appraiser for the last 13 years. Hey, James, can you uh, further elaborate and tell us how you got into real estate? Sure. Yeah, so I've been in commercial real estate for uh, 13 years. Uh, currently, uh, I, I do a few different uh, things. I'm a commercial real estate appraiser, mm-hmm. I'm a broker, and I invest in multifamily. So I got started in real estate back in uh, college actually was interning for a real estate developer in my senior year. I was in the, the marketing department and this uh, developer, they, what they did was uh, they specialized in condo conversions. Basically okay. Just 200, 300 unit mm-hmm. uh, apartment complexes wow. in California and Texas, Arizona, and they were converting them to condos and selling them off. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was really interesting. And that actually piqued my, my interest in real estate. Uh, seeing all that action and all that that um, money being made at mm. such an age. And, uh, so how old how old were you, Tom? Were you around twenty one, twenty two? I, I was uh, twenty years old. Yeah, my senior year, wow. I was young for my uh, young for my grade, and so I was twenty years old. So okay. So from uh, from there. Uh, I, I looked for a full-time job because they didn't have a full-time position when I was graduating. Mm-hmm. I jumped ship from there, decided to follow uh, the footsteps of my uh, then uh, bosses at that company, the mm-hmm. CEO and the chief operating officer. They were appraisers, uh, real estate appraisers for 20 to 30 years before becoming developers. Wow. Yeah, yeah, quite a long time, which is, it's uh, <laughs> kudos to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, applied for a commercial real estate valuation job. Mm-hmm. Uh, was fortunate to get accepted with, without any experience. That's a bit unusual in this uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, start in, as a residential appraiser and work your way up to to be a commercial appraiser. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, there was a catch to that because uh, yeah, I worked for this uh, this company. It was a bit of a sweatshop kind of operation. Mm-hmm. I was eighty to hundred hours a week for the four years I was there. Jeez Louise, man. That's a lot. That's so many yeah. hours. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it felt like I was being uh, hazed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm glad I look back and I'm glad that I went through through that because I've learned so much in that period, mm-hmm. period of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm using that knowledge now. And so, yeah. To, Can you talk a little bit about what you learned during that time period as you're pick, wrapping up? Like, what kind of difficulties do you have? Uh, well, during the time period that I was working as a commercial real estate appraiser. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, I mean, I was pretty green behind the ears. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was a bit, that company was a bit of a, like a generalist type of company. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, one day I'd be appraising a retail building. The next day I might be appraising a, an industrial building and an office building and a mortuary. And then <laughs> <laughs> I constantly had to switch hats. Uh, 
I, I didn't really, it was hard to get in a groove there, but mm-hmm. as I, I did all that, like it, it took, it took, uh, it took a bit to, to get comfortable, but mm-hmm. you know, I was able to, to learn a lot during that period. And that, that was, that was, I think my major uh, struggle <laughs> at first position. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess we can take it a step back further. I mean, like, I mean, we talked about how you got into real estate. Um, what are some of the challenges you faced when you first began your career and how did you overcome them? Uh, challenges I faced? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, definitely, I think my age. That, mm-hmm. was, a, that was a big one. And I, was, I was going out to these, these properties and uh, putting, putting values on these multi, uh, putting multi-million dollar values on these properties. And, and when I met with these property owners, I could tell that they're kind of giving me the, the eye, like kind of, Mm-hmm. They're asking me, "Oh, how long did you? How long have you been doing this? How old are you?" They'll, they'll ask straight mm-hmm. up. So that that was a bit of a challenge. So I remember to combat that, my my boss at the time, he actually made all of us uh, trainees <laughs> full, full suit and tie. So I was going out to these properties and blistering heat mm-hmm. uh, in the building, taking pictures, walking through, mm-hmm. uh, and full suit just to kind of help. With the, Young, young look. Okay. Did did that help though? Wearing a full suit. Did Did that help? Yeah. Um, I I think so. I think so. I mean, it probably limited (laughs) the amount of uh, questions I got from uh, the owner. Mm Mhm. That's always a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Even yeah. What's funny now? Even now, like thirteen years later, Mm -hmm. I still, I still get asked that question sometimes. Like, how long have you been doing this? And you can tell the owner. Yeah. I mean, obviously, from the owner's perspective, they want to make sure like you're the right person for the job. You know, I think yeah, that that goes through all our mind. Right mm-hmm. yeah, now, you know, I, I lay it down like 13 years. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you know, can we talk a little bit more about your real estate investing career? Uh, what was the first property that you bought? Um, you know, mind sharing numbers with us as well, like. I mean, what did you do right and what did you do wrong? And how did you take that experience over to your second deal and your third deal? Okay. Uh, the first property I bought was actually a, a fourplex. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you about, about the, before I bought that fourplex, before I closed on that fourplex, I was mm-hmm. actually in contract for uh, another fourplex in um, El Sereno. It's a little community here in, in the city of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, gentrified quite a bit since uh, since that time, mm-hmm. back in 2013. 2013. Yeah, I was in contract for that, and you know the inspection report came back. It was littered with all all this stuff. I mean, it, a, a flipper had purchased a property and fixed up all four units. Mm-hmm. It, it was just very minor things in the report, but because it was my first uh, first property and first time seeing this, I got mm-hmm. overwhelmed and. I think at the time my parents uh, essentially talked me out of it. <laughs> all these little, you know, little. Now that looking back, they're small issues. Like, a, yeah. like the countertop wasn't glued down to the to the plywood or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was in contract for that. At, I think four four twenty five. Four twenty five thousand. Did you put down a twenty percent down payment for that one or twenty five percent? Uh, twenty five. Twenty five percent. Yeah, for a fourplex, that's twenty five percent. Was was there a reason why you chose twenty five over twenty? Uh, well, the lender at the time told me I needed to do twenty five if I was going to do four units. Mm-hmm. If I was going to do two units, uh, I would have been okay with twenty. But, okay, uh, and what kind of rates um, were you getting at the time back in two thousand thirteen? 
Uh, I think they were low, low fours at the time. Low fours. Wow, that's that's pretty much the same as as it is right now, sort of ish. <laughs> yeah, you know we're back there. So, yeah. so I mean, this, so yeah, I backed out of that deal at four twenty five, and then immediately after I backed out, a week later, some uh, it went back um, in contract for four fifty two. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, kicking myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was like, I told myself that I, you know, I'm, I'm, if the numbers work out, I'm going to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Not let anyone else you know, talk me out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that hasn't been a real estate investor for my parents. So mm-hmm. I out of the deal. <laughs> yeah. I eventually uh, you know, closed on a, a four unit in uh, San Pedro and that was my first. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Making about uh, 200 a door. Oh, wow. Was, yeah. After uh, $200 a door. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, cash flow. Mm-hmm. So about eight hundred total total per month. After this is after um, you know property management fees and property tax and mortgage interest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, everything. Um, I you know, factored in reserves at the time. Mm-hmm. And how did you uh, do your calculations? Like, what kind of cap rate were you looking for? What kind of ROIs, cash and cash, were you looking for in that particular area of San Pedro, Los Angeles, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Long Beach. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I remember the the numbers that I was looking for, but I was looking for something close to two hundred a door. Okay. Um, I forget what the cap rate was in time. I think it might have been in the, the fives. Okay. Uh, half to, to six at that time uh, mm-hmm. before. But now, you know, the four places have in, in that area, uh, actually all throughout Southern California, they've, the, the, they've appreciated so much now. Mm-hmm. Rents have skyrocketed. Okay. Uh, so what would we say some of the hard lessons that you learned from that first deal where you're like, damn, I should never do that again or... Oh, I learned my lesson, or oh wow, this went really well. Or what'd you learn from that first deal experience? Um, well, when I first uh, when I first purchased that property, I mm-hmm. was actually uh, self managing in the beginning. Okay, uh, was that a good idea? Do you recommend recommend it for new investors to self manage? If you're gonna do a small property like that, mm-hmm. like four units below, yes, I, I definitely encourage that. Um, I, I'm, you know, the belief that you should, uh, you should know what you're hiring out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did that for about a year uh, before I can handle it anymore. It was about a 45 minute drive from where I, uh, where I was living. Mm-hmm. And I, I was working crazy hours at the same time. Yeah. I was calls at, you know, let's say 11, 11 a.m., even 1, 1 a.m., uh, one time. Sorry, 11 p.m., 1, 1 a.m., one time. <laughs> of, uh, you know, toilets overflowing. Mm-hmm. So the, what they say is true. Like, <laughs> you're yeah. actually dealing with, like, tenants' toilets. and mm-hmm. So, yeah, at that time, um, you know, there, there, there was a lot of stories of that, that first property. There was uh, two Section 8 tenants that I inherited when I purchased it. So mm-hmm. at the cream of the crop uh, tenant, tenant base, mm-hmm. I remember one time, uh, one of the tenants called me and said, oh, one of the tenants downstairs is knocking on my door. What? There's a guy with her. She's looking through her peephole. And she says, <laughs> what happened? She's, I, 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 basically, this tenant called the cop or called the towing company and mm-hmm. had uh, her car towed because it was parked behind her car. Wow. 
all this, uh, I guess this other tenant wasn't too happy about that. Mm-hmm. She's like, what do I do? I'm like, call the cops. Why are you calling me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, so. For your first deal. Yeah, I mean, so it's definitely being your tenants and hire. Well, you know, after you get a little experience, definitely hire hire a property manager. I paid two hundred dollars uh, a month for that property manager, and mm-hmm. it was worth every time. Oh wow! Yeah, it was really stressful during the time I was self managing mm-hmm. and working, but it was much better after uh, bringing in professional management. Glad it worked out, man. I mean, obviously you're still in the game, you know. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> Let's see. Before we talk about how you you connected and roll over to your next deal, I want to talk a little bit about what motivated you to to reach your goals. Like, what was the underlining reason? Like, what was your why? Why did you do real estate? Just so many investing vehicles out there. Like, what you pick real estate for? Well, again, I first got my uh, I. My interest peaked in real estate from working at that development company. Mm-hmm. Uh, just seeing it, it was it was just a lot of fun. You know, of course, I was in the marketing department at the time, uh, but just seeing all the all the transactions and all the components that went into this the, these condo conversions mm-hmm. every day was very uh, dynamic. Uh, but I, you know, so that I chose that as my vehicle to jump into. Mm-hmm jumped into appraisals. I could learn everything I could and become an investor developer one day. Mm-hmm. So is that still your goal? Become a real estate developer? Uh, yeah, that was my goal in the beginning, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but now, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be an investor and a developer. I wouldn't say it's just, I'm, I'm, not, res- you know, I'm not restricting myself to development. Uh, but you know what kind of kept me motivated at the time was my parents, uh, my parents were working seven days a week, 364 days a year. Mm-hmm. And they, they, uh, they worked a liquor store business. So they were actually getting uh, robbed all the time. Wow, jeez. Um, yeah, I, I, I told the story in a, a Toastmasters speech actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, come, hearing my dad tell me oh, to, you know, what happened today when he came home from work. Then coming up in that, uh, or this is back in um, like one of the stories was in Long Beach a liquor store they had in Long Beach mm-hmm. there was uh, two uh, two guys that came in with AK-47s <laughs> AK-47s yeah. I'm like guerrilla warfare I'm like <laughs> obviously <laughs> some some illegal events but they forced my parents to the floor mm-hmm. and told them not to move and my mom like flinched so they actually shot like right next to her, what? Bullet, like ricocheted off the floor. I'm sure it was like a warning shot or whatever. So, you know, hearing that, and then like another time they had, a, they eventually moved stores to Highland Park and they got robbed at gunpoint three times. Three times? Yeah. Wow. Um, and when I was eight years old, I was actually at one of the stores they owned and I saw someone steal a, a 12 pack of beer from the fridge, mm. run out, and then tack like my mom tried to actually stop him. My dad was out like um, you know, shopping for the store. My mom tried to stop this guy, and he he pushed her over, and she fell to the floor. I think I was about eight years old at the time, so it was like your mom's a, a gangster. Dramatic seeing that. So all of that it really lit a fire under me. Like I need to retire my parents. So mm-hmm. that that actually you know, 
kept me very motivated uh, during my early twenties. Uh, yeah, wow, that's very admirable, man. Like, I'm definitely wishing you the best. That's couldn't ask for a better reason why you want to, you know, do real estate. Because I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, I want passive income, I want financial freedom. But it's, it's always like what they want. And for you, it's like, it's a, it's a bigger purpose, you know, like you want to make sure your parents retire well because you you worry about their safety, you know? It's not even their financial well-being, you worry about their safety. Exactly. Yeah, yeah safety and, you know, the fact they're working seven days a week. Yeah. I've never seen them take a vacation up mm-hmm. until that point, so... I didn't want them to, you know, pass on not knowing what it was to live life. Yeah. You know, I got a lot of years ahead of me, so you know, why, why don't I, you know, work hard and be able to retire them so they can have a bit of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> their life raising me and my sister. So. Okay. Wow, that's that's a really powerful why, man. Wow, I don't even know how to transition smoothly to the next question. <laughs> so, so just, you know, going back, you know, you did your first deal, Fourplex, San Pedro. So what was the next deal after that? I know, I know, obviously, like, I'm pretty eager to get to the juicy part of the interview where I know you, you do own a, a fairly large number of unit in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so when you own your Fourplex in San Pedro, how I mean, I mean, how would you save up, and how would you move move towards something that big? So you can, I mean, for all the listeners, can you take a step back and talk about like how you got into the Columbus deal and how many units units it is? Um. Yeah. So, you know, between that first purchase, the fourplex, I actually did some uh, home flips mm-hmm. uh, out of state, Oklahoma, and here in Southern California. So I was able to. Uh, accumulate some capital that way. Mm-hmm. And four years after owning that fourplex, I sold it and um, I did a 1031 exchange. Okay. Uh, yeah, basically, I was looking at properties here uh, locally in Southern California. For, the, for we, have, we have listeners that don't know what a 1031 exchange is. Can you briefly go over what that is and why is it so powerful? Sure. Uh, it's, it's a way to defer your capital gains taxes that you would have had to pay mm-hmm. and roll that into uh, another uh, property. So you, you know, there's some some rules behind it. You have to identify, you know, three properties within uh, a 45 day period and close on one of them within uh, 180 days. That's one of the popular ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to, to you know, accumulate uh, wealth a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Keep up with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Sounds powerful. So, you know, you 1031 exchange your San Pedro property after four years. Um, yeah, just take it from there. Kind of walk us through. Yeah, so uh, during that time, my now uh, partner uh, actually was, he he had flipped a, a duplex in uh, Glendale, mm-hmm. in California as well, towards the San Fernando Valley. Uh, he made just about it was the same amount of money I did doing that flip uh, within six months that I it took me four years <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, force appreciation and, and market appreciation to, to make that, that same amount so we basically went in with the, the same amount of money um, well we had the same same amount of uh, profits coming out so mm-hmm. we thought why don't we partner up and uh, try to get something bigger mm-hmm. Bigger properties, uh, when you do value add, you can 
uh, really make a make a lot more for for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So uh, to do that, and we were exploring properties in Southern California. Our options were like eight to fourteen unit apartments over here. Okay. Cash flow, you know, let's say I was looking at cash flow or cash on cash returns of. Let's sub five percent. Five percent, especially given you're looking in LA. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So it was either that or you know explore going out of state. Um, again, I had already gone out of state, um, flipping uh, in Oklahoma with my my sister's uh, then uh, boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So I was comfortable going out of state. Now it's just a matter of uh, doing a bigger bigger property. Mm-hmm. So we. We're, we decided to analyze different markets in the Midwest, uh, a lot of them, and a few of them in Ohio and mm-hmm. Indiana. So we were just looking at uh, OM after OM, crunching the numbers. How many deals were you looking at before you found your deal on average? Uh, I think, uh, well, I probably like crunched numbers on 15 different properties. Uh, but we this looked is good. at this is a size. five five properties. Mm-hmm. I got a bit of analysis uh, paralysis at the time <laughs> as well. Uh, you know, sitting behind a computer here, you know, we're just see- seeing these numbers, and you know they're pretty close. But it was really hard to pull the trigger. You know, yeah. first time going that big, mm-hmm. yeah, out of state as well. It was really hard to pull the trigger. So, uh, I my my now uh, wife. Actually, uh, encouraged us. Why don't you guys just go out there? And so we we did that. Mm-hmm. But the basically made a road trip in the Midwest, flew out to Indiana, and we just mapped out a three day uh, road trip. And we stopped at uh, several properties that were uh, interested in. So we went to Indiana, um, a city called Anderson in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then we went over Dayton and Columbus and Cincinnati. Okay. Those areas. Um, yeah, we, we found a property that we're, we're interested in after you know, seeing the property. It, it actually made a lot, it made the decision a lot easier after going there and physically seeing and experiencing the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, street scene, I mean, you, you can kind of see the streets, but it's, it's not the same feeling as, as being there. So, yeah. What was your criteria for, you know, this bigger, larger, commercial unit you're looking for? Are you looking for a unit with great cash flow? Are you looking at a particular area? Is this a C class, D class, A class neighborhood? Like, what was your criteria in your mind as you were doing the tender you want to exchange? Well, during that time, we were focused on cash flow. Mm-hmm. We wanted to replace our day jobs. Mm-hmm. We wanted to move in that direction. So we were looking at high cash flow properties. And so that you know, resulted in looking at mostly uh, C-class properties. Mm-hmm. Um, look at a B-class uh, that we weren't uh, able to be the successful uh, bidder on. But we, we were looking at uh, C-class properties because they had the highest returns. Mm-hmm. So the C-class properties come with their own uh, challenges. Of course. Yeah. So we, we both know that pretty well by now. <laughs> I, I think at the time I was looking up the minimum criteria was a 10% cash and cash. 10%. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
about doing ROI and cap, what about cap rate and ROI? Uh, cap rate. Well, I didn't really have a. I had a cap, a minimum uh, cap cap rate criteria at the time. Mm-hmm. They set well, seven seven percent. I think was a uh, pretty like we would we weren't looking at anything below seven at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're looking for high high cash flow. Um, and then hit up cash on cash of about 10%. So that will be the ROI. Okay. So around 10% for everything. Yeah, that's what we were looking for. Yeah. Okay. And this property that we eventually purchased, we mm-hmm. were projecting a uh, 14% on cash on cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, obviously there's a lot of lessons to be learned. So can we do a deeper dive into this deal? Uh, well, you don't mind sharing like, what was the purchase cost? How much was the down payment? Uh, how did you construct the deal? You know, like, how did okay. you, uh, you know, make it all work? Sure. Uh, the purchase price was a uh, 2.625, so just over 2.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 37000 a door. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, in a, a C-class uh, neighborhood. Which neighborhood is this in Columbus again? Uh, this is in the Linden. Linden uh, area? Yeah, just 10 minutes northeast of Ohio State. Okay. It was a C-class area surrounded by uh, by B, B areas. So that's what attracted attracted us to that. Mm-hmm. And also this neighborhood on this particular uh, area, a, we're developing driverless uh, buses. Wow. So they're going to start this initiative to have driverless buses along along this route. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I think uh, at the time, too, uh, Columbus, uh, Columbus was one of the top cities where millennials were moving. Mm. Uh, Still is. It's a very strong. Yeah, yeah. Columbus is hot right now. Everyone, the, during all the meetups, I go to talk about Columbus. Like, it's... <laughs> it's a pot of gold <laughs> okay so you bought it for 2.6 you put 25% down payment or 20% that was 25% so we Whoa, that's massive how much 800,000 800, down payment okay and did you do an interest only loan or did you do a principal and interest loan like how'd you how'd you do everything yeah what we wanted to get uh, agency financing through Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very attractive at the time. But again, these, uh, well, we weren't able to get that loan. Basically, there's a few things working against us. Mm-hmm. One was, it was our first commercial property. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't like that. And we, again, I've been a commercial appraiser for uh, 13 years and I flipped property, had small, uh, multifamily, but they really wanted the commercial experience and we, neither of us had that. Mm. So that was like one strike that went against us. And another strike was that we were going out of state. Mm. And another strike was that this prop, particular property we bought was actually a four building portfolio. All oh. the buildings were located within a quarter mile of each other on the okay. same street. So they called this a, a scattered site mm. property. Uh, which was another strike against us. <laughs> and they weren't able to loan to us mm-hmm. our loan at the time uh, proposed a different option, which is a... Uh, so this was uh, 17 units in total, right? 
70 units yet. Okay. So, yeah, we did a we did a bridge loan, um, and it was basically a, a higher interest rate, and mm-hmm. we were able to to you know, get into that property. Mm-hmm. And, and it's to, to refinance uh, later this year. Okay. And what was the interest rate that you guys got into? Uh, it's like eight percent. So that's pretty, that's pretty high, man. <laughs> yeah, so it was actually you know one of those things where you have to earn your stripes. Yeah. Mm. So we're gonna refinance into to agency debt, uh, a lot lower interest rate, mm-hmm. and unlock a lot more uh, cash flow. Okay. That's good, man. I mean, you're getting about five hundred, six hundred per door. I'm assuming. Oh no! no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 we're we're not. Uh, it's tough to say right now because we're not stabilized. There's mm-hmm. there are some learning lessons in this uh, first commercial deal, mm-hmm. being the our selection of property manager. Mm-hmm. The property manager we initially went with was actually a, a referral. We interviewed five or six different uh, managers. Mm-hmm. And after a while, like there was a top two or three, and it was hard to tell like which one was better. Yeah, all all referrals. Mm-hmm. So we went with uh, this guy who basically was able to convince us that you know, he could get the job done. Mm-hmm. True, true salesman. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, we got, got us with a smile. <laughs> yeah, that should have been our, you know, our, our red light. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, he uh, basically he didn't do he didn't do a great job. Uh, mm-hmm. And so towards the end of the year, we were uh, we decided to let him go at the end of our contract, mm-hmm. and we were going with his uh, his. Uh, Number one competitor. Mm. Oh, he caught wind of that. He wasn't too happy about that. Mm. So he packed our building. Like we had, we had a, a lot of uh, vacancy toward the end, towards the end of this, and so excuse after excuse why these uh, vacancies weren't being filled. Mm-hmm. He, uh, when when um, we told him that we we're gonna move property managers, he filled the building, the vacancies with. Uh, a subpar uh, tenant. It's <laughs> a shady move, man. Yeah, and so he, uh, the way that the management agreement was structured was that he'd collect a three hundred fifty dollar new lease fee with every uh, lease that he he signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's on his way out, and he didn't really care what you know the tenant screening. Uh, he became very lax if you want to call that. <laughs> you got anyone in that had a pulse? Yeah, basically. So we're dealing with the the fallout, you know, after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and big thing, you know, they stopped stop paying after a few months and mm-hmm. uh, causing all kinds of riffraff to the property. So we're having yeah. a reset uh, uh, to the buildings right now. Mm-hmm. Getting everyone out and cleaning it up and uh, is repositioning these these two mm-hmm. properties, both get them filled, yeah, all tenants, and increase mm-hmm. the, the rents at the same time about fifty dollars, uh, fifty to seventy five dollars a unit. Wow, was there any point in this where you like you just want to quit, sell the property, get out? I mean, oh, yeah. how yeah. how I mean, obviously you're still staying with the property, 
what yeah. made you stay? Like, I'm going to solve this problem. Because now, now I talk to a lot of people, you know, things turn bad. They just want to sell, get out, you know, cut their losses. But yeah. talking to you, I know that you're a fighter. Like, why did you stay? Like, what was your motivation to stay and solve the problem, you know? Um, well, you're definitely right. I mean, there, there was definitely a period of time where I considered, like, quitting. It was, it's very immensely draining. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're dealing with the, you're dealing with the, a lot of money. Yeah. You're, you're working at the same time. And, you know, you just, you're going through life at the same time that you're dealing with this, uh, you, this, this large property you just bought and out and out of state, like, five hours, a five-hour flight away. Mm-hmm. All these things that are occurring, property managers constantly calling you and telling you this and that is happening. So there was definitely a period of time where I considered folding my cards. Mm-hmm. But you know, I had to get my, my shit together and <laughs> realize that you know, there's there's a way to solve everything and mm-hmm. have to really not, not get emotional in real estate. Yeah. Really step back so you can take a step back, clear ahead, and get in a right positive um, mind frame so you can come up with solutions mm-hmm. rather than focusing on all the problems that are occurring. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 a really good, that's a really good tip for any investor, you know? I mean, you yeah. know, just by you saying, like, always, always focus on the solutions instead of the problems, you actually get a lot more things done because, you know, you're not sitting there with feeling sorry for yourself, you're not sitting there feeling stressed out because you're always thinking, like, okay, if this didn't work out, I'm gonna do this move. If that didn't work out, I'm gonna do this move. And you keep on trying until you solve the problem, you know? And that's that's the way it should be for any real estate investor to become successful. Is exactly. keep pushing through. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's you know hard to do that when when you don't have a positive mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we you know, we we fired our property manager, we got a new manager mid company and uh, really really 10 times better than the, the last management company. Mm-hmm. The last one was, it was almost like a one man show, even though he had a team of, of people in his office behind him. Okay. So our new management company is how it operates, how a management company should be operated more, more corporate. Uh, we're dealing with the regional manager. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the owner of the company and then there's a, the maintenance person. And then there's one that handles the financials. So, there's a different go-to person mm-hmm. and what, what kind of questions we have. And we're having a weekly meetings now. That's uh, good. While we, uh, we're repositioning the property. Uh, so it's uh, definitely a lot, a lot better now. Um, you know, breathing a breath of fresh air now. That's <laughs> seeing good to a, hear, man. Being alive at the end of the tunnel. And again, we're going to be able to, to uh, reposition this and mm-hmm. increase 50 to $75 a unit. Get that forced appreciation. Yeah, it sounds good, dude. I mean, if all the things work well, you can ten thirty one exchange this into a thousand units now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish. Kidding. I wish. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. You know, dealing with property management, finding the right people to work with, being probably accepting you know a better area for less units. It's a lot of things to consider. You know, when you're investing out of state. Yeah. All right, man. That, that's really good. Um, let's talk about what are your goals for the next five years? Like, where do you see yourself? 
What do you see yourself doing? I know for sure, for a fact, you know, you and your wife, you guys have a meetup in Pasadena where you guys bring multi-family investors together in Southern California. Um, but that's only one aspect of your goals. I mean, I want to know, like, where do you see yourself in five years and what are you doing today to get to your goals? Oh, uh, I set a lofty goal for myself. I'd really like to make a $100,000 in, in passive income by that by that time per month per month okay and I believe I could do that through through uh, syndication mm-hmm. uh, that, the first deal was just a, a JV uh, I hadn't had any experience doing uh, syndication now that we're part of this uh, meetup group this ecosystem mm-hmm. there's actually all, there's actually a lot of people doing the syndication and really learning of this this multi-family game especially the uh, larger uh, properties. It's really a team sport. Mm-hmm. You have someone that uh, that raises the money. You have someone that uh, manages the the property, the asset manager. Mm-hmm. Someone that you know, signs on the loan. Um, when you're when you're able to to find those those partners with that they're able to fill your your gaps. You're able to uh, really uh, exponentially uh, speed up your. your your process of uh, building wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, my, my five-year goal is to make uh, 100000 passive. I think you do it. I believe you. Yeah, I believe me too. <laughs> <laughs> you got to, right? I mean, yeah. You, gotta, these, you, you have to look at these goals as if they're, they're already happening. Exactly. Puts you in that, that right mindset. That's great, man. You know, do you have any like affirmations or like morning routines that you get into before you start your day? Because I know like you're you're getting to you're getting to the point where you're doing really big deals. You know, a lot of money. You want to do syndication. Like, how do you mentally prepare yourself? Do you do any affirmation? Do you write? Do you read? You know, what do you do to like continue your personal growth? Yeah, so I do a, a few different things uh, during the morning. Um, I'm really, really big into self self development. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the consistent things I do is I, I, I work out. So I get my morning uh, workout put in. Uh, I get my goals down. I uh, listen to an audiobook in the morning, either when I'm working out or uh, when I'm walking my dog. Oh, do you freeze? No, we're good. Oh, okay. You, yeah, you froze on my end. Those are the things I do relatively consistently. Uh, I also do some um, some meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I write down uh, things that I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. The whole gratitude thing it puts you in the the right uh, mindset to start the day. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that that actually like really helps. Um, and I think your your mindset is everything. Mm-hmm. Starting off with a positive mindset, you're able to really draw draw things to you, uh, meaning your your goals. This is you know, all the, the the secret stuff. Yeah, you know, Carnegie, think and grow rich, that that kind of thing. Yeah, love it, man. I think so, the, yeah, you know. I, th- those are the things I I do to get myself in a mode. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so let's say, you know, what kind of advice would you give someone just starting out like, into real estate? 
Oh, I, I tell them to be a, be a sponge, you know, mm-hmm. learn, learn at every opportunity you can, mm-hmm. uh, listen to podcasts, read books, uh, attend meetups. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely one, one big thing is get around people that are doing the things that you want to do. Your network is your net worth, right? That's mm-hmm. a, there's, there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a like osmosis. You surround your people enough, and uh, you're having your conversations. You're hanging out with them. They kind of rub off on you. You pick things up, and but you thought a couple years later, what you thought was impossible, and you're, all of a sudden you're you're doing it from from associating with these people. Wow, that's great, man. Um, I guess final question: What's your favorite book? What's the favorite book you always refer to? You're like, man, that's a great real estate book or any book in general that inspire you. Yeah, yeah I have a whole slew of books up there. Mm-hmm. I didn't do audiobooks now just you know, uh, because I don't have that, that much. I shouldn't say I don't have that much time. I, I don't have time. That's a limiting belief, right? <laughs> but, uh, I do a lot of real estate books. Uh, you know, like the Rich Dad, Poor Dad and... All, all the the ones that you typically hear, mm-hmm. but the one that really uh, pops out for me was uh, the Four Hour Work Week. Okay, that book uh, actually got me into self development. Mm-hmm. I remember when after reading that book, I, I felt like I, I kind of changed as a as a, my personality changed. I started looking at things uh, differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was just uh, I really. Uh, was on this uh, growth growth spurt, uh, mm-hmm. ment- yeah, my mental game. I was trying to improve every day after after that. So I'd say the four hour work week. Okay, wow, that's that's really good, man. Thanks for your recommendation. Uh, thank you for your time, James. Appreciate it. I think the you uh, know anyone listening right now can learn a lot from you. Um, how do how can the, the listeners reach out to you and ask you questions? Do you have a Instagram? website how can you know how can listeners find out more information sure um well i i am i'm on both uh instagram and facebook so they can find me there uh, instagram handle is uh the underscore james underscore my last name tran so find me there you can look me up on facebook james tran mm-hmm. and you know do you have a, a website for for my company uh, www.jtrei.com okay. and, uh, read about my bio or actually my, my wife's bio uh, as well she's a, a really big uh, yeah I didn't really mention her but she's a really big integral part of uh, I think that the success that I've uh, if you want if you want to call it success you know to this I was able to get to this point because because of her she she's a she's an animal <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll make sure you include that part. (laughs) All right, buddy. Thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it.